Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the CEO School podcast. Today, I am with Kelsey Olivia, founder of East Olivia, and we are in New York City in Manhattan. And one, I will tell you, I have known Kelsey now just recently over this last year, but Kelsey has made such an impression on me. I don't usually invite, you know, quickly women to the CEO School podcast. And as soon as I heard her story and obviously just had a chance to like feel her brand, I could not wait to share this, this the beauty of East Olivia with all of our listeners and our audience. But Kelsey is an NYC-based founder. However, she is California-born and is a free entrepreneur spirit, like a Californian entrepreneur spirit. And she really loves to bring that beauty into the world through her products, and flowers of East Olivia. She does the most beautiful large-scale installations. She's worked with every major brand you can think of, from MasterCard to Netflix, to every alcohol company, to every female conference, everything in between, to Pride Week. I mean, you have just done the most beautiful structures of flowers I have ever seen. And then you've brought these beautiful florals into people's homes. And what when I received my first package from East Olivia, I truly felt like this was unique, beautiful, and different. It was unlike any floral bouquet that I had ever received. And you have something so incredibly special. And it is really hard to hopefully be able to translate that via audio without <laughs> seeing it. So if you if you can catch this episode online and go check out East Olivia, but I cannot wait to welcome you to the show, Kelsey. Welcome to CEO School. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. I mean, you look just as stunning as your flowers. Like literally you walked into the studio today and all of us have just been like, Kelsey, you look incredible. Uh, you are so beautiful. Thank you. Well, right back at you. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey and the floor industry. I know that's not where you got started, um, but here you are today. You're like picking flowers outside right now for Taylor Swift's bouquet today. So yes, I am. It is her birthday tomorrow. So we are <laughs> we are some of the lucky bunch that get to send her flowers tomorrow. I'm really, really excited. I'm about that. really excited that I'm yeah. here right now helping you yeah. pick out some of the flowers. <laughs> exactly. But that didn't happen overnight. So tell us about your journey in building the company. Yeah. So um out of, uh, out of high school, I spent 10 years working in the music industry, which um, 
was really fun and a little exhausting. Um, but I feel like just that business experience and especially so much of that industry is really about networking and who you know and all that. So I feel like that experience really teed me up very well to run my own business. Um, I moved to New York about 11 years ago and I was like, you know what? I'm a little burnout on music. I want to do something different. I want to do something creative. And in the meantime, while I figured out my next step, I decided to work for Anthropology. At the time, Anthropology had a wedding line called Beholden, and uh, they were opening up their first New York City store. And I figured better to get in with the smaller brand of a bigger brand because I thought I could have more impact that way. Um, which strategically was actually a really great move. I was able to move up in the company pretty quickly. Uh, and it was really fun. Beholden was such a new brand. I was able to help establish some of their just first things in terms of how they took care of customers and what that experience was like. Um, it's really fun. But because we were a bridal shop, we needed flowers. So I ventured to the New York City flower market and I just fell in love. Like I'll, I'll never forget my first day coming to the New York City flower market. I mean... It is one of the most special places in the world. It's on 28th Street between 6th and 7th. So if you're ever in New York, for those of you that are listening, you have to visit. Um, hit me up and I'll take you on a little special tour. Um, but anyway, the uh, the wholesalers here in this market just curate flowers from all over the world. And they're, I just was enamored, basically. Like, I, the first time I saw an Icelandic poppy, which I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but I'll show you what they look like. It looks like paper. Um, just these these kinds of flowers that I had never seen before, smells I had never smelled before. Um, I really just sort of fell head over heels in love for flowers um, and had this sort of like childlike wonderment that made me so excited and so curious um, to learn more. And I really sort of took that and wanted to share that with other people. And so what was great is even though I'm not traditionally trained as a florist, through working at Beholden and Anthropology, I had all these opportunities to basically every time a new season came out, you know, a new se seasonal um, drop of clothing, we had to decorate the store in that theme. So I had to do the flowers in that theme as well. So I basically had four times a year where I was getting to do this, you know, expression of florals in a specific theme. And it really um, kind of taught me everything I know about flowers. Actually, I just sort of like hit the ground running and uh, got my hands dirty really quick. And I, I really, I really loved it. Yeah. I think it's like, I mean, I can, I can see you just, I love that you use, like you found your passion while working you know, for a corporate, right? Yeah. And I find that so often, especially for founders who've started on their journey. I mean, I literally created my company. My first company was because I was working for a payment processor. I wouldn't have known what that industry was or what those challenges were taking place if I hadn't like been working in that, in the, in the industry or been like part right. of my corporate experience. Can you tell me a little bit about what took place like from there with anthropology and then yeah. how you decided to, like what was that first leap like? Because a couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Mega Rao, the founder of Holy Chic, and she was working in finance and corporate while, you know, side hustling, you know, building this like uh, fashion brand, which had nothing to do with where she was working, right. but was able to like create and launch this company on the side. And I believe that that was part of your journey as yeah, well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the founder journey is obviously so different for everybody. But I think that, you know, if you're in a nine to five or Anthro was a, 
uh, a like 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. kind of schedule. It was crazy. But if you're in a nine to five or something like don't be discouraged. It's so crazy. There are so many opportunities. And just like you said, in that corporate environment, you really can get these little sparks of um, just ingenuity or curiosity that can lead you to somewhere else. And uh, with anthropology, what I did was I sort of created my own little job there. I've been kind of entrepreneurial, not kind of really entrepreneurial since I was a kid. I've been starting little businesses since I was, you know, could basically like walk and talk. And so any job I've ever had, I've always approached it from a very entrepreneurial place. Like, what can I do with this position? What can I create from it? And I loved the flowers. Um, I loved uh, visual merchandising, which I did a lot of um, as well. And that developed into running events for anthropology in New York. As well as at the time, Anthropology had um, market-specific Instagrams. So I also ran their New York City Instagram. And that was so great because it was this culmination of social media and events. And it really helped me build my network. And even though Anthropology is a large corporate company, they really supported my um, my endeavors and my passions. And there were so many incredible women that I worked That's for at incredible. that time that just really nurtured me and gave me opportunities. I think- Shout out to companies like Anthropology. I know. I think that they really, I think anything that they saw that I was doing that was cool was also cool for them. Um, and so they really encouraged me in that way. And yeah, I just created my own little position and we would partner with different um, events and influencers throughout the city. And I made so many incredible friends. Um, but what I did since I worked 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. to like 3 or 4 p.m., I'd have most of the afternoon um, and evening available to me. So I moonlit. I would take on floral gigs or prop styling gigs um, after work. I'd take time off and um, go do gigs. But I would say the biggest thing was one cold email that I wrote. Ooh. Okay, so for those of you out there listening or entrepreneurs, never be scared of a cold email because okay. this cold email changed my life. So at the time, um, Create and Cultivate was getting ready to come to New York, a women's conference. Um, and I was really excited about what they were doing and I wanted to be a part of it. So I sent them a cold email. It's like, hey, y'all, I'd love to do some flowers for you. <laughs> um, I think what you're doing is so great and I'd love to be a part of it. And I thought they were going to get back to me and say, you know, sure, we'll take some arrangements or whatever. Oh, no. They came back to me and they're like, we want a 10 by 15 foot suspended large scale floral installation. What did you send them in that email that they like, like, would you send them examples of things that you could do? I don't think so. I literally was just like, I'm passionate about what you're doing. I'm excited about it. And I want to contribute with the skills wow. that I have. And I think I was just the right email at the right time. Um, and uh, yeah, so they came back to me and said they wanted this large scale installation. I had never done anything like that before, <laughs> but they didn't need to know that. Yeah. And I also knew that through my connections at Anthropology, that um, through the art team there, I knew that I had the resources available to me to make this happen. So I was very confident. I was like, sure, we can do that. Absolutely. And I'll never forget um, it, the installation was to back a neon that said collaboration over competition which to this day, as we were even chatting about yesterday, is such an important um, just idea for us and uh, especially as founders to to really like, I don't know, it's it's just so important, this uh, so collaboration. Important. It really is. It's so important. I'm, I'm going to pause here on the collaboration. That is a conversation that you and I have on a weekly basis. Yeah. So Kelsey is part of our Millionaire Founders Club at CEO School, and it has been such, in a, just like the closest knit network of 
founders at this next stage of their chapter beyond that, you know, the million dollar mark, there's just different levels of scale. And, you know, what you need more than anything is collaboration and community. Mm-hmm. And it, it it is so important. It is so, so important. Is, and we need so much so more important. of it. We really do. And it, it's so interesting. And I, you know, I'm an Aries, so I'm, I'm pretty competitive. I'm a little fiery. I, I can get very competitive. Um, but what I have found is that collaboration is actually better for business. Um, When I am collaborating with other floral designers, other business owners, instead of it taking from me, it actually gives to my business. We share resources, we support each other. Being an entrepreneur is one of the hardest things you can do in your whole life. I, I don't have kids, but I've heard people that have kids and run businesses say it's about as challenging as as having children, which um I you know, I haven't had that experience yet, so I can't imagine. Um, but owning a business is so hard. And this journey by ourselves, I feel like is impossible. We really need each other. And as women, we really need each other. And I think society actually gets something from pitting us against each other. And I think it's such a counterculture move for us to support each other fiercely. And if we can value that over competing with each other, there's no stopping us. You know what I mean? And that, I mean, it's like I just was this, you know, flower obsessed, really excited, you know, new New Yorker. And all these women at my job invested in me and gave me opportunities to shine. And that was so, so incredible. Um, and the same thing happened with Create and Cultivate. And, um, you know, so I did that first large scale installation and I was hooked. I loved it. I loved that it didn't that it took more than me. It, it had to be, ironically, a collaboration um, in order to create something of that scale. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I was like, large scale installations for me are probably one of my just like favorite ways to work um, because you cannot rely solely on yourself. You have to rely on a team in order to execute. I think it's even more than that, right? It's also, I think your discount, like there is a specific, you have a vision too. Yes. You really do. You have that artistic vision and eye and just design is so much of that. And I will say like when I received the first time in East Olivia, you know, it's not even a bouquet, it's a bouquet, but it was, it was a design piece in my home. Yeah. Right. And it, and it like the, it's a, for those that, don't know one of the specialties and we haven't gotten into your specialty is the colors and the the design element of it i mean this literally looks like it's sitting at you know um a beautifully decorated like you know you know uh magazine like a like a you know a home and garden or like a like a beautiful um like magazine it's like on the front cover and it's sitting on the coffee table and it's like that's the floor floral arrangement that you want in your home yeah. that is that but and it has this like funk to it too it has this yeah. like beautiful just like the dyes and the colors and the dried flowers i mean it is so beautiful and you do that obviously on the large scale but even just bringing that little piece of it into my home like it is next level. It's not. It's unlike anything else I've seen. I've seen large installations of flowers. I've seen beautiful flower carts, and we've seen those things. And I think people appreciate that. But I think what East Olivia brings to the it's it's an experience, and it's it it creates those like lasting moments. Or if like some if you're throwing an event and you're throwing something, and people are like, "Wow, what is that?" Like it, yeah. it is that awe striking, exactly. beautiful 
moment. Yeah. And I love what you said about like, you know, recognizing color for us. It's color is so important to our brand. And um, I I just intrinsically am not afraid of color. I'm very drawn to it. And I love the challenge of an unexpected color story. I love taking things that you think maybe wouldn't go together or things that you think are boring. Like one of my favorite stories is one of my favorite large scale installations we did was for MasterCard. Um, orange and red. I mean, the MasterCard logo. Like, you can't get more corporate America than the MasterCard logo. We had a line pretty much all day at that conference to take a photo in front of the MasterCard logo because we made it that beautiful. And like, I I love those creative constraints that that come along with these projects and and clients and like force us to to push and how can we take something that's like a standard everyday thing that you see and make it special and make you want to get closer and pay attention. No, it's it it is incredible and something as boring as a financial services logo or like you're right something as like plain and simple yeah. two circles red and yellow and I've seen I've seen that installation it's it's so brilliant. And I love, I want to go back to what you said about not being afraid of that cold email. I think that it's a reminder for all of us, even include like me included today, right? Like we all can take a moment to ask for what we want. And I, in essence, like why the fear on sending that email? Because it's it's the fear of rejection, right? What right. happens on the other side and what are people going to think or like, you know, the chances of me getting that. And there's like all of these stories that we build up before we hit send. But what if it actually works out? Right. right. What if it actually works out and you're going to have to try in order for one to actually hit or make happen? You happen to get the one that you wanted. And I think it's so incredible, but it's, it's, it, I, I think that that's what's so great about what I love about you. And I've gotten to know your business so well through the Millionaire Founders Club experience um, is that you're not afraid of doing it. You didn't just do it once and you're like, great, I landed a big client. And now I'm like happy and like our business is scaling and growing and we've done all of these cool things. You literally on a weekly basis continue that methodology. Yes. So you have that salesmanship still every week. Like you just got back from, I was uh, like, you were sharing the pictures of Art Basel and did so many installations in Art Basel, but we were together in Orlando, not even like three months ago. And we weren't even talking about Art Basel. Nope. And you like conjure that up because you were like, you know what? I feel like going to Miami to Art Basel. Let me send a few emails. Yep. Exactly. I mean, we can't, the thing I have learned as an entrepreneur and growing and scaling this business is that you can't be afraid. Like you're never going to get what you don't ask for, first of all. Um, and sometimes it's a volume game. So, you know, we kind of have to get over that rejection a little bit um, and know that sometimes there'll be a no or maybe just no response. But I think that a, an important part of it is also just, for me, it doesn't feel like sales because I really value what we do. And I know that our services can be of such value to our clients. And it's a gift and it's an, it's an opportunity for them, you know? And so if I don't go out there and share with people what we're doing, they don't get a chance to experience it, you know? And I think that with, you know, for every entrepreneur, I think it's so important to really embody the value of what you're bringing into the world. Um, because if you're not going to do that for yourself, who is going to do it, you know? Um, no one. But no one's going to do it for yeah, you. Yeah, no one's going to do it for you. But people do want to support and they want to help. That's the other thing that I think, especially with women, right? And we're talking about collaboration over competition and supporting each other. Like, you know, it can be so challenging to ask for something, you know? But it's not, it's not about asking for help or like help me because I need something. You're offering somebody the opportunity to support you. And like how good do we feel when we support each other? 
it feels incredible. Like, so let's not deny people in our community that opportunity. Like, let's do that for each other and provide each other the opportunity to support one another. I mean, that's how we then progress and grow. Um, but if we're afraid of that, we'll never, ever start. You know? Oh my God. Amen to that. That was, that was, that's so true. And there is so much, like, I, I do feel like maybe a lot of the women listening might say, you know, that they've tried or that collect, women don't want to collaborate or that the rooms are still not where they want it to be. And, you know, the advice that I have for them, which I know, you know, is, is you're not in the right room. Yeah, right? and you're not, you're, not the right you're not in the right room and you're not working the room. And I right. think that that was a conversation that I'd love for you to share your it's not just about nothing's going to happen behind your computer, your screen, etc. You need to get into the room. Every single successful founder while I've been sitting in this chair in New York City, every single one said that it's about building the network. They got in the room, they got like they got into the room. Mm-hmm. But that's half the battle. We right. were talking about that earlier. Share what you were telling me about working the room as well. Yeah, I mean, working the room is so important and I mean Honestly, it all starts with authenticity and connection, like, and 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 curiosity. Like, I think being genuinely curious curious about the people around you and what they're working on. I mean, when you get into any particular room that you want to be in, right? You're in that room because you have interest in that room too, right? Like, there's something that already sparks something in you that makes you excited. So, I think approaching conversations and new connections with people, being curious, like genuinely you know, what are you excited about? What are you passionate about? What are you working on right now? Um, And I think as women, that's so refreshing to each other. And when we engage with with each other in that way, it sparks genuine conversation and connection. Um, And then we see opportunities where we can support each other. It's all about that networking and connection and lifting each other up and supporting each other. I mean, like I was saying just before, like that is something that we don't we don't want to deprive people of that. You know what I mean? It's so it's so valuable on both sides of the experience. Um, and also doing your research, being familiar with the room that you're stepping into. Who's going to be there? You know, what projects are they working on? Do some homework. Go on LinkedIn. Find out who's going to be in the room. What are the last few things that they posted about that they're excited about? And then you can say, hey, I, you know, like I just saw that you had this article published in Business Insider and that's so exciting. Congratulations. You know, just I think that personal connection and um, that curiosity really leads to that authentic connection. It really is. And I I think that you are literally one of the most skilled networkers that I have seen. I think that you creatively, you invite people into your world and you get get yourself into other people's worlds too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a beautiful trait of an entrepreneur is to like to penetrate through like that, you know, they're like through those like relationships, right? And like to be genuine about it too and to ensure that you're like top of mind and what's happening for like the people in your world that you're adding value. Yeah. You're constantly adding value. And I think that that that's where the energy then gets received back. But you just do it so just effortlessly. And I do think it's a huge part of your success. Thank you. Well, and it's because I really care. Like I genuinely yes. care. And East Livia, we have our own aesthetic for sure. But what I tell our clients is that our specialty is brand expression through florals. Like whatever your story is, I'm going to be able to tell that story through flowers, through a physical iteration. And um, people feel then so excited and cared for and seen when that's executed um, and and done really well. Um, and, and then that consistency builds up over time to something just, just really valuable. And then people could keep coming back. 
No, it is. It's so incredible. And I know with entrepreneurship, with all the success also comes big lessons. Oh, yes. Right. So many lessons. And I know that this show is not just about the inspiration and it's tactical and it's, you know, I for sure I probably have you know, a dozen cold emails that I need to go send for rooms that I still want to be in or places that right. I want to be. And you inspired me today to to take action. But I do want to always share your biggest lessons, those aha moments, those things that somebody, you know, that I, that I wish somebody had told me this. And, you know, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that are that are scaling or some lessons that they can learn from you so they don't have to fall so yeah. hard? Well, I think the biggest thing would actually be on the financial side. So um, being an events company that had to go through COVID, um, we pivoted a little bit and launched our direct consumer, which is a, the dried flowers you were talking about receiving. Um, but, you know, we experienced a lot of success and high volume of work very early on. And I think, you know, I grew up in a little bit of a chaotic environment, not with a lot of like financial ed education, things like that. And I think there are belief systems and things that we with subconsciously just sort of take on like, you know, oh, I, I don't know a lot about money or I don't know a lot about finances or, you know, just just things that kind of limit us. And I think that was very limiting for me. I didn't even consider getting a financial advisor until working with CEO school, which has just been in the last couple of months, right? Um, and if I could go back and tell my younger self anything, um, if, if you're generating even just a, a couple grand a month, get a financial advisor. Um, growing a business is really challenging. The strategy is challenging. We're not meant to be experts on everything. We need to ask for support, right? And I think that there are a lot of hard lessons that I have had to learn on the financial side of things because I didn't have anybody that had my back. And it was almost because I didn't believe I was there yet. Like I thought I needed to get somewhere yes. or produce a certain level of a certain volume of work or hit a certain revenue um, number to need those services. And um, and I also had uh, misconceptions like, oh, I can't afford a financial advisor. Well, actually, it's pretty affordable. It's really affordable. Um, and I think, in fact, I probably at that time couldn't not could you know not afford to not do it. Um, and so um, yeah, that that's definitely been a challenge. And the other thing I think would be on hiring and and scaling your business. Just do it slowly. I you said I remember like in several sessions ago you said don't fall in love with the first puppy. Um, which I, I loved that. And I was like, but it's so hard. It's so hard. But I'm like, but this puppy has like a really unique skill set. Um, <laughs> but um, and it's, it's so funny because after that, uh, I kind of had an experience where I had fallen in love with a puppy that the puppy didn't work out. Um, and, you know, it, it can be, I think, being slow to hire, quick to fire when it doesn't work, just challenging, um, but is, is so important. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I I think that all of us kind of go through that journey. And I know that a lot of women listening here resonate, especially on the, I, I think every single entrepreneur that we've interviewed will say that they didn't focus on the financials early enough, or it's mm -hmm. fine. Like finances have always been part of like this afterthought in a business. I think everyone struggles. Every single one yeah, still it's struggles it's intimidating. with people. It can, with people. Yeah. That's like an everyday never stop struggle. I'm yeah. still struggling constantly when it comes to org and people and challenges. And I think that's part of also entrepreneurship is also knowing that 
you have to you you have to be the one to solve the problems and i think getting comfortable with that and i, I think that once you get comfortable with it's not no one else is going to come solve it for you yeah and, and i think so that's true. a lesson that i feel like we put this we, you, you said it really well you're like when i have x amount of dollars i can or when i do x amount of things then but it's like even then even when you have it even when you hit the milestone no one's still going to come in and solve it for you no you have to be the one to figure it out and i think that's what sets us apart as on entrepreneurs and the ones that succeed and the ones that don't, um, that epiphany comes and then you have to say, okay, am I going to be the one to do it? And if I'm the one that's going to like, you just have to be the, the buck stops at you yeah. and it's not going to get done, you know, if you're not the one that's leading and doing it and that level of execution, it may look different as your company scales and grows, but it's a complete myth if you think that if and when and whatever, that you're still not the one that's going to continue to be the one to drive and execute. Yeah. And that's a myth that I try to share and bust for every entrepreneur that has these dreams. And I don't want to shut down the dreams, but you have to be willing still at the top of the game, at the top of the mountain, at the top of the level, you're still putting in the work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's so much work and no one's ever going to work as hard as you, you know, for if you're the founder of, of a company. Um, but finding the right team members can also be just such such a blessing even though it it can be very challenging to get there and it's important it's important to find because you can't do it alone no you can't and you so it's a constant it's building the right team is so important Kelsey I just like there's so many nuggets you're always such a you know a gem to to converse with and I'm always learning from you what's happening with East Olivia how can we support you what's yeah. what's next and how do we get in touch with you well, um, right now we're getting ready to wind down a little bit for the the holidays, but uh, I think by the time this airs, we'll be getting ready for our Super Bowl of Flowers, which is Valentine's Day. Oh. Uh, we love Valentine's Day. We're always so busy. Um, we're usually, you'll see our floral cart popping up all over New York City with different brands. Um, we're already starting to plan some of those activations, which I'm very excited about. And then Shop East Olivia uh, will also have some really exciting um, offerings for Valentine's Day as well. Um, and I, you know, I really love to push beyond just the, you know, your boyfriend or your husband or your significant other. I think really getting flowers for each other, especially as women, um, is such a fun way to celebrate the holiday. So I'd really encourage you guys to do that. And you can find us at eastolivia.com and shopeastolivia.com. Um, and of course, on Instagram, at East Olivia and at Shop East Olivia. Um, I'm so excited for next year. We have some we have some really amazing projects coming up next year that I uh, I I can't wait to and, to be able to share. And with you I think if any like if our audience has like any events that you guys are putting on conferences, meetups, like a brand activation, I've seen some of your stuff even with the um, the corporate gifts that you do for our clients. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just next level beauty. And so we'll link everything into the show notes. But Thank East you. Olivia, DM her. Yeah, you know, DM just, me. You're incredible, Kelsey. I learn from you every day. Thank, thank you. you for being part of our community, being part of the Millionaire Founders Club. Like I mean, thank you for creating this community. I I mean, for those of you listening, you obviously know the value of this community because you're here listening to this podcast. But that would be the other thing of just like another piece of unsolicited advice I would give is just find your community and hold on tight. I mean, we can't get through this alone. And what you guys have created with CEO School is so valuable. We need this education. The world needs 
more women making more money and running more businesses. Um, and CEO school is such an invaluable support to that. Like, thank you guys so much. No, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. I can't wait to see your activations all over the world and just supporting you through your scale and your journey. Thank you so much for just your your raw advice as an entrepreneur. I know I'm definitely writing some cold emails as soon as we're <laughs> done here and giving us the courage to just get in the room and to work the room. Work that room. Work that room. I'll yeah. see you all next week at CEO School. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.